young men who are going to speak uh, just um, for a few minutes about the impact of the father in their life, and uh, I'm excited to hear uh, what they have to say. I, I do not really know their fathers. Um, I do know that uh, Stephen Wartentine's father is a pastor, but that by no means means he would have been a perfect father. Um, I would be living testimony to that. But I'm anxious to hear and uh, interested to hear what they say about the impact of their father and their life. And Arlen Jacobs, uh, I just will say that the Jacobs family is, was sort of part of our last newcomer's uh, dinner and get-together. And uh, when I look or think about the people who sat around that table that uh, Sunday afternoon, it's amazing how those people have become committed people within Creekside Church. So, uh, Arlen, I'm going to ask you to come up first and, uh, and share what's on your heart. And uh, Stephen, you may want to, I don't know, move down further to the front. And as soon as Arlen's finished, uh, come on up, Stephen. So my name is Arlen. Uh, Doug and I are both in the same spot here. Neither one of us know exactly what I'm about to say. <laughs> I think it'll work out just fine. Uh, me and my wife, Rachel, with our family, we moved here from the States probably about uh, six, eight months ago in September. I grew up in Vancouver in Canada. When I went to the States, I thought it would be a short trip. And actually, I went there for work. But I met my wife the first day. And... We, we fell in love right away. I just didn't know it yet. It took me a few weeks to come around, but you know we dated, we saw each other every other day. Um, it was a great time. We lived there for about six years. We lived in Milwaukee, which is just north of Chicago. And after a little bit of time, we decided to have children, so we had Natalie and Burton. Neither of us has family out there, and we decided we'd like to be closer to family. So her sister lives in Seattle. My parents and my sister, they live in Vancouver. So that was always nice. Um, we thought, well, let's move out here. We both had jobs. And we thought, well, it's kind of important to have a job. So we said, the first person to get a job, we'll go. Okay, that was last May, April or May, right? Rachel won. She got the first job. I think it took her about two weeks. So she got a transfer with the same company, and they gave her an offer. And it was a tough choice. They said, you can go to Prince George, or you can go to Kelowna. So she asked me, which one should we choose? I think we should choose Kelowna. So that's how we ended up here. And we love it here. We love being closer to family. The grandparents can see the children. So that's been great. When we were in Milwaukee, um, a little bit about Rachel and I, when we had met at that time, both of us had stepped away from church. Um, for quite some years as we'd gone through university and, and me after that. But as we met each other and we started to fall in love, we started thinking, you know, as we're dating, we want to go back to church. We came about the same time at that conclusion, which I thought was really wonderful. And God really blessed us with the church that we found there and the home group that we had. I think that was instrumental for us in staying with church and getting our life back on with God. So when we came here to Kelowna, um, we were very happy to find a wonderful church and you know, also a home group that we love. Um, they're there in our hearts, and I know that we help each other follow life with God. So we've been very thankful for that. Um, yeah. 
And I'm trying to follow my notes so I don't get too far off track. I don't have a clock either, so that could take a long time. But we lived here in now for about six or seven months, and we're starting to grow into becoming a family, right? I'm starting to become more like a father. I feel like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad. And I have these tricks that I've learned from my dad, but some others that I came up with my own, I'm sure of it. But at night, the kids, you know, they don't always go to sleep. So they're in there squealing and playing, and I'll come up to the door, and I'll just go, Children, it's time to go to bed. Right? In my deepest voice that I can. And that works. I'm like, that's good. That's a good little tip. Well, then my dad and my stepmom came out to stay with us. They looked after the children. And, of course, they squeal and wheel around in there. And sure enough, my dad just goes up to the door. Children, time to go to bed. And so I thought, that's not my trick at all. That's my dad's. He did that to us all the time. So as life goes on, I'm learning things that I thought was me as a father, but it's really my dad. I'm just falling into that. So there are three things. It's tough to condense what you learn from your father because you don't really know. But I picked three things at least. So the first was I grew up, I would watch my dad, and I would learn what not to do. Right? Great example of what not to do. So the first one I have, he would always tell me, he would say, son, do what I say, not what I do. I was like, oh, okay. We'd be stuck in rush hour traffic on the highway. Big U-turn across the meridian, all kinds of stuff. Son, I'm just showing you what not to do. Do what I say, but don't do what I do. Right? The other would be at dinner time. Uh, you start to learn. Maybe it's not a good idea to put ketchup on every meal that mom cooks. Right? It does not need a little something extra. Son, don't do this. More ketchup, right? So I don't do those things. But he would say all kinds of wise words to me, none of which I remember. But I do remember what he did. And that brings me to the next one, number two, is that I would learn by his actions. Because I don't remember the words that he told me, but I do remember what he did. And one thing that he's done that I love now more than then, he had this daily routine, which I thought was torture. Every day, he would come give me a big hug. And he would hold on to me. And I could hear this clock ticking in his head as he would count up to five seconds, which is probably four and a half too long for a teenager. <laughs> but I knew it was going. And he did that every day. And he would say, son, I love you. And he did that every day. And he would invent a lot of routines and traditions, but that was one that I loved he did. I thought it was always important, but I don't really remember the words. Like I say, just his actions. And the third thing that he taught me by action was faith in God. He's not an angel. Uh, my parents divorced when I was young. He had a temper. I've discovered I have one. But I've learned what not to do and to help control that and be patient. But he would, through all of those tough times that we had, ups and downs, I always knew, without question, his love for God. God always had a place in our life, a life for Jesus. Right? Um, so that was one thing I think that also helped when we met Rachel to come back to church. It was never in question where I went or how far I felt I was. God was always in my life. I would always be there for Jesus. And I know he's there for us. So those are the three things that I know that my father has taught me, uh, among many other things. And as a father now, or as our kids call me Papa, I know that every day I try to lead by actions and show them. Right? I definitely give them a big hug. 
right, and say, I love you. I'm learning how to wrestle to get the full five seconds in, <laughs> especially when they get bigger. And then I try to, as my wife and I both do, to show them a faith in God and lead by example to show that to them. So when they grow up and they have tough times and they have questions and doubts in their life, they know in their hearts they have a love for God. So I know I owe a lot to my father, and I'm learning more about what he has taught me as the time goes on. So just thank you, all your fathers. It's really tough. They never tell you that. And so have a happy Father's Day. All right, I don't know how long I have up here, Doug, but I only have one page of notes, so. Uh, I think I'll start by just kind of just giving a little story about how, just where my dad's at and where, how, where he came to be who he is. So he grew up in a Christian home, and he was, um, I think he was a middle child, and he was pretty wild, and I, I just know, he te- some of the stories he told me, I think by the time he was about 16, he dropped out of high school, and he loved motorcycles, and he just got a construction job and did whatever he wanted to do kind of thing. And um, my grandparents were really concerned about him, and he didn't live for God at all. He, he knew about all that kind of stuff, and, but he just wasn't interested at all. And uh, I think that finally the time that t- finally turned around his life, is he, was, um, he was on a motorcycle trip, and he was going to go up to the interior, and it was... I don't remember, I don't think it was raining or not, but he was driving along by Hope, and he actually um, ended up swi- sideswiping a van, and he got rocked off the motorcycle at um, 100 and some kilometers an hour, and he woke up in the hospital. And I think at that point in his life, uh, he, just, he just realized, like, what am I doing with my life here? And he gave his life to God, and he was really sincere about it, and he said, I don't, I don't know what you want with my life, but I'll, I'll give you my life. And um, he just felt God saying to him to, to go to, to Bible college and to become a pastor. And so that's kind of the beginning of his journey when he was about 20 years old. And he kept doing that. And there's two things I want to talk about, about in his life um, that have really inspired me. And they both come from um, a deep reality, a deep understanding of God and having God um, walk with him, and he reminds me a lot when I read the patriarchs in Genesis about Abraham, how um, it wasn't a bunch of rules, it was before the law was given, and yet there's this man that loves God and walks with God and knows him. So the first thing I want to talk about is living by faith, and um, I just see in my both my parents' life just a trusting God with the direction of their life, and willing to take sacrifices and to do things um, because they feel like God's calling them to do that. And I remember we were in Saskatchewan, and my parents were a pastoral couple, and they weren't making very much in a very small church. And they were just sensing from God to come out um, to Pimeadows down in Vancouver and to church plant. And um, they, they, made a, they didn't have a pension. They had a really small salary and a, a really small house, and they sold it, and they moved to Vancouver. And you know what real estate prices are like. They, were, they weren't as bad as they are now, but they were still... My parents had to take this huge mortgage out and they were thinking, I don't know if we could do this, but they just felt like God saying, do it. I want you to go church plant in Vancouver. And so they did and they took that leap of faith and that really spoke to me at that time. And um, it's cool. I actually, my parents came and visited last week and I spent some time talking with my dad a little bit about stuff like this and 
about trusting God in general for your life. And he just, the way he talks, it's so natural for him to trust God fully. And um, I just want to share a verse, and it's in Hebrews 11, verse 1. And it talks about faith not being blind, not about faith being guesswork, but about something that's tangible and that we can experience in our heart and that we know is real even though we can't see it. This is Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and it's certain of what we do not see. And so I see that in my, in my dad's life, that he knows God and he's trusted God in the past. And so when he puts himself on, out on a limb, and he does it quite a bit with different things in his life, um, it's not guesswork, and he's not afraid about getting burned. And maybe it won't, the outcome won't be exactly how he anticipated, but he's willing to take that sacrifice. And that's a real inspiration to me. And another thing that, through this faith that, that kind of came out of that, and I see that in my dad, is he's such exuberance and excitement and intensity in his life. And uh, there's the verse that Jesus said. He said, I came to give you life, and I came to give it to the full. And that's in John 10.10. 10, and he, he says, I want to give you this life. And I see and my dad has a really magnetic personality. And when he talks to people who aren't Christians or people who are new to the church um, or just his neighbors or anybody he meets, He's got this magnetic personality about him, and I don't think that's, that's natural. I think that's something that, because he knows God and he's just so real with God, he has this humility and this, this realness about him where he doesn't have to put on a face and he doesn't have to um, worry about status. He's just, this is who I am. This, I love God, and here I am. And it, it's, it's been incredible to see how he just meets with people and people who don't know God at all in three different walks of life, and he's able to connect with them and pour out his heart to them, and, and it's cool to see how they become Christians just by how natural he is with that. So that's been a real inspiration for me. And so I guess just to, to sum it up, I'm really, I'm really thankful for my dad, and he's, he's, yeah, he's still alive, but he's left me with a good, a good model and a good path to kind of look at and to see what does it mean to live your life um, in a personal way, knowing God and drawing strength from God himself. So yeah, that's about sums up um, what I wanted to say, and uh, I'm really, really thankful for my dad. I'll hide it. Yeah. I want to say thank you to Arlen and to uh, Stephen. Um, I kind of put out the opportunity to quite a few people. Um, Uh, I don't want to say without giving it much thought because I thought quite a bit about it. But I didn't realize how, how difficult a, a request it was to, to have and ask somebody to speak about the impact of their dad in their life. And um, a man in our church sent me an email and said, Doug, be careful. You don't want to give the impression that perfect dads exist and because your life with your dad might have been a bit rocky or your life with your dad may almost be um, non-existent. Um, you need to let people share honestly from their heart about their dad. And I appreciated that email 
And uh, it made me send out another email to the other men that I had talked about to, to say it's not about saying how perfect your dad is because perfect dads don't exist. Uh, our Heavenly Father is perfect in every way. I think there are examples that God gives us that we can use to inspire us as dads. Um, but I want to thank uh, Arden. I want to thank Stephen. And uh, just sitting down there and listening, it struck me how closely other people were listening uh, to people speak. Uh, maybe it's partly because they hadn't heard them speak before. Uh, but I, I continue to think it's good in the church for people to share their life, their testimony, their story in front of the church. Uh, that God's working in the lives of many people. And uh, I know sometimes people say this is not a place that they feel comfortable at all. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want you to sort of say no to that in a blanket statement, say I'll never come up here. Because you can hang on to this, actually. And if you have notes, um, it's not that bad. But thank you, Arden. Thank you, Stephen. You know, it's interesting. In the New Testament, Paul has some cautions for fathers. They are somewhat similar. Sometimes he, he talks about husbands and wives and uh, kind of in the general context of family. But sometimes there are words that God directly speaks into the lives of fathers. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Ephesians 6.4 Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline, and by discipline, I think we need to understand discipline as training, not punishment. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And when I thought about those two verses, uh, there's kind of an implication that Paul gives us his fathers that the potential exists for us as dads to frustrate, annoy, be overly harsh with our children. And it can literally drive our kids away. It can drive them away from us as fathers and it may actually drive them away from faith. And so Paul, I think, is speaking into the lives of fathers to do the opposite of that, to exercise patience, to exercise love. That little story about having to endure a five-second hug from your father as a teenager, it's quite a beautiful story. Exercise forgiveness. As a father, exercise self-control. Now these qualities, which are actually fruits of the Spirit of God, will serve to encourage your children as opposed to exasperate them. And I do not want to pretend that any of that is easy, especially at certain times in the life of your children. Those things are not easy that we need on a constant basis as fathers to pray for wisdom, to pray for patience, and at times to pray for self-control 
when we deal with our children. One thing that God brought to my mind as I was thinking about Father's Day is the truth that even if your father was, let's say, a good and godly man, he may very well not have been the most significant spiritual mentor in your life. That that person may very well have been a youth leader, could be a camp counselor, it could be a Christian friend, it could be a pastor in a church who for some reason touched your life in a significant way. It could be somebody else in your family. But it's likely that somebody other than your father stopped you in your tracks and had you consider in a new, fresh, amazing way the reality of God in your life. But I want to say that if your father fulfilled his role as a father, if your father committed himself to his family, family, if, if your father made it known that for him faith and church was important, I believe he has honored what God asks us to do as fathers. I want to say my dad was a good and godly man. He passed away about seven years ago. But growing up uh, in a family of six uh, children, I have an older brother and I have four younger sisters. Um, I was not particularly close to my dad, like emotionally close. We, we didn't do stuff together. We didn't hang out together. Um, my dad was busy doing many things, many good things. I want to say that I certainly became closer to my dad as I grew older. Uh, that... There comes a time in a father-son relationship where it's kind of not like father-son. It's like two people who love each other. But I want to say that one thing that my dad spoke into my life, I'm going to say almost unintentionally, but maybe it was more intentional than I know that my dad made it clear by his own life that the reality of God and the importance of church was absolutely vital to him. So that while my dad may not be what I would say my spiritual mentor, I want to say he established a foundation in my life surrounded by the reality of church that made it possible for other people to speak the reality of God into my life. And I want to simply this morning challenge all of us as dads, and I don't really care how old or young your children are. Is it obvious to your children that God is important and real in your life? Is it obvious to your children, regardless of age, that the church is important to you and to your family? 
I want to say that if church is optional to you, it will likely become even more so to your children. Had a, um, a short conversation with a friend of mine not too long ago who said to me, Doug, I realize my own, I realize my own children are one generation away from leaving the church. And he said, that generation is mine. There are so many influences that can sort of draw us away from what it means to gather as church, as children of God. It can be recreation, it can be entertainment, it can be sometimes laziness, uh, it can be opportunities for extra work. There are so many influences that can drag us away. And I think as dads, we need to stand up in our families and say, church, God gathered with his children, his people, is important for us as a family. And I'm not going to pretend that every children, every child is going to be excited about that all the time in their life. But if they see it in you as a father, I believe they will remember it as they grow older. If I were to use a sports analogy, I would say that our Christian walk is not meant to be an individual sport. I don't believe that's the way the Bible defines our walk with God. Neither is our walk with God meant to be a spectator sport. You sit on the sidelines, kind of watch other people do good things. Our Christian walk as a church is meant to be a team sport. The team is the family of God, and he, as we gather, I believe, has something to speak into our life. That God, as we gather, has some encouragement to give you in your walk of faith. And that as a member, as a child of God in his church, you have something, as we gather, to give to others. And for all of us this morning, as dads, I just pray that God would give us a desire to follow after him, that God would give us a desire to engage fully with the church of God. And I don't want to say this from a heart of judgment, but from a heart of encouragement, that God would you help us as dads to make sure that our faith is visible to our children, to make sure our faith, our reality that reality in our life is clear to our children. And lastly, I just want to say a few words that speak the forgiveness of God into our role, your role as dad. You know, it's easy, and I think there are many men that do it, um, and sometimes the older you get, the more inclined you are to look back and be critical about how you did things. I believe this morning God would also say to us there is forgiveness to be found in that role as dad. Um, as I said earlier, there are not perfect dads. We are imperfect. 
And I believe that God does not want to beat us up over things that we have done as dads in the past. I do not believe that's the voice of God speaking into you as a father. Now, we need to also accept within that role as dads the forgiveness of God. And it may at times mean, you know, I need to speak to my son or daughter. I need to confess or ask for forgiveness. But you know, our Heavenly Father understands us as dads. And I was thinking about that, where it says, how does God, our Heavenly Father, deal with us? And there's such an amazing uh, verse, uh, I believe it's in Psalms, we sing the song that God, our Heavenly Father, is slow to anger, rich in love. He is gracious and compassionate. And I thought, well, what a beautiful phrase to describe and encourage us as dads to be slow to anger, to be rich in love to our children, to be gracious and compassionate to them. God is aware of our weaknesses as fathers. But I believe he wants to speak. If, if, if there's an aspect in your life that you say, God, you know what, I have not been the father that I should be, or there are things that I know I would need to speak to my son or daughter about, I just encourage you to do that. There's forgiveness through God the Father. Psalm 145 verse 4 says this, and there's a few other psalms I'm going to quote, and then I'm done. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. But the loving kindness of the Lord, the loving kindness of God our Father, is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. I was just thinking about that phrase, his righteousness to children's children. And to me, it talks about the impact of each generation on the next generation. That to be children of God, to be fathers who embrace God as Heavenly Father, we pass that on to our children. Sometimes unintentionally, sometimes intentionally, but God honors fathers who pour that reality into the life of their children. And I just want to encourage us as families, as dads, as homes, to make God a reality in the life of your home. One of the ways you do that is simply in the ordinary walk of life. Another way you do it is by saying for us and our family, we want to serve the church of God as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for all of it, Father, for the songs of praise that we lift up to you as our Heavenly Father. Father, I want to thank you for the three families who publicly said, Lord God, our home, we want to be a house of God. Father, I thank you for those who spoke for Ireland, for Stephen, but I thank you for each home represented here, God. 
for each father, each mother, each person who may in other ways fulfill that role of father in the life of children. Father, would you give us grace? Would you give us wisdom as we continue to lead that role? And God, I think about it in terms of my own family with my children who are, who are not young. Father, help me display the goodness of God and how I deal with them. So, Father, this morning we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. We thank you that you are a loving, compassionate, forgiving God. And Father, help us as fathers to, to model that character within the lives of our children and in our homes. And, uh, Father, we acknowledge we need the Spirit of God in our life to do that. And we ask you for that in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.